Well, guys, our next guest has been requested by you almost every single day, not only leading up to UFC 268, but in the aftermath as well. He's here for the very first time since the night of UFC 268 after that insane fight against Kamara Usman at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, chaos himself, Colby Covington. Welcome back home, man. It's always been six months. I can't believe this, but Colby Covington is home and submission ready. Thanks for joining us uh, once again, man. It's an honor to be back here, you know, at Submission Radio. I even gonna toast to you guys. You know, I'm gonna yeah. open my pen, my nectarine blueberry. I'm, I'm gonna toast to you guys. It's a celebration. I get to talk to my boys down under again. Although I am a little sad, you know, that you guys are living in communist Australia and everything shut down. I miss seeing you guys at the events. It's tough, but you know, I still love you guys. You know, and and I'm living my best life here in Florida. We got Ronnie DeSantis, the best governor in the world. So the, the only mandates that are going on in Florida are the mandates between two men going on a date. That, that's the only mandate we got here in Florida. Free Florida. Oh uh, man, I'll tell you, it's crazy because in the intro, you know, we have had people. Uh, requesting you almost all the time. When's Colby coming back? When's he coming back on the show? But also, just before we get into it, sometimes these uh, your fans, they'll hit us up and they'll be like, hey, um, I just spoke to Colby Covington on Skype. And they'll send us like a screenshot. And then the other day I was on Twitter and I saw one of your fans had their birthday and you sent them a, a, a video message, a birthday message. And I was just thinking about this before we got this conversation going and I was thinking, Man, a high-profile athlete like yourself, MMA fighter, I don't think me and Casper have seen someone who jumps on Skype, chats to their fans, sends birthday messages out, all behind the scenes, by the way, like you have over these last couple of years, because these stories keep popping up and people keep sending us these screenshots and videos. Yeah, I, I try to always keep it real, you know? There's a reason they call me the people's champ, you know? And, and I'm just honored to, you know, be the people's champion and fight for them and, and just, you know, interact with them and keep it cool with them you know i'm not just some celebrity that just forgets where i came from and the people that got me to where i am and the people that that keep me at where i'm at so you know i got nothing but love and respect for all the fans and i'm gonna keep putting on good entertaining performances for them mm, good on you man that's awesome um i was listening to you chatting to uh brett the, the very handsome brett okamoto leading into ufc 268 and you were saying how uh, after the first usman fight you kind of like to lay low just so you can sort of gauge everybody's reaction, see what people are saying, see what kind of narratives are coming out, etc. So I'm just wondering, you know, this one obviously, you know, very different, this fight, but what have the last couple of weeks been like? Uh, we haven't heard much from you. I like that you you did the post-fight press conference. Uh, it's always great to see people after a fight like that, you know, come in and address everything. But what have the last two weeks been like for you, man? Yeah, the last two weeks have been good. I've just been enjoying my life. You know, I just got back from Pensacola celebrating my friend Stephen Hodgson. You know, Hodson, he's an Army Ranger, one of my best friends, you know, a brother to me. And he just got married this weekend, so it was good to be there with them. And, you know, just came back to Florida with all my mamacitas and all the beautiful women and free state that Florida has to offer. And, and similar to last time, I, I came out a little bit quicker. I wanted to see what the media was going to say. And I, I, I'm still not happy with what they're saying. I don't know why they're running these narratives like like this guy's the greatest of all time. He's a pound for pound number one fighter. I mean, the fans saw it that night just because three judges were in there and they scored it a certain way. The fans in the in the millions of people watching worldwide saw with their clear eyes what happened in that fight? You know, I clearly won that fight three to two. The third, fourth, and fifth round were my round. And even if you were looking on a different side of the scope, I think you could see me winning the first round too. It was very close and competitive. So, 
You know, after 10 ra- rounds, the people see what have happened. We fought two times. After 10 rounds, at the worst, if you look at, you know, at the worst, I'm down. I'm, I'm winning six rounds to four. So I think there needs to be another fight. There needs to be a trilogy if he stays around, if he wants to stay around. I, I, after fighting me two times, I think he realizes how serious I am and how bad I want that belt. So I don't know if he's willing to die in that octagon like I am. And, you know, I'm going to get my shot back at him. If he doesn't retire first, he might retire and just go on to, you know, right off in the sunset. But if not, I'm looking for that Marty trilogy. Mm. How many times, if any, have you rewatched the fight? I only rewatched it once. I, wa- I rewatched it right away. I was like, I went to the back and I was like, I got to see what happened. I felt like I had the third, fourth, and fifth. Those were my rounds. The second, I mean, the only reason I rushed in there and he, he like barely clipped me and hit and I hit the ground, you know, it was like a flash knockdown was because if you go look in the second round, I wobble him with a jab. I hit him with a good jab. He stumbles a little bit, but he at, when he stumbles, he catches his feet real good and he throws a, a two and a hook and the hook just kind of flashed me and I was like, oh shit, you know, but it wasn't any serious damage. And that was a close round in the second too. And that, that was it. He got a quick little flash knockdown. The first round, I, I thought I definitely won that round. I took him down definitely two times. Any wrestler, even DC, DC's on there. I mean, the guy's an Olympic wrestler, uh, NCAA champion, just one of the best wrestlers of all time, a, a wrestling coach. And if he's saying it, you know, that that's two, that's a takedown. I mean, it's pretty obvious that I broke that record. And he's not unblemished on his being taken down record in the UFC anymore. I've obviously taken him down. I took him down twice. I won the fight. I dropped him. I wobbled him, hurt him to the body. That was my fight, man. The people saw that. That you know, that's why who they were rooting for at Madison Square Garden. And, and what a beautiful night it was to be in the Mecca. You know, Madison Square Garden, fourth highest gate in, in the in the in the arena's history. I mean, that's that's legendary. Above the Rolling Stones, you know, above you know, freaking Hulkamania, WrestleMania, all these big events. Colby Chaos Covington, fourth largest gate in Madison Square Garden history. So it was a beautiful weekend, regardless of what three judges decided. It's such a big contrast, like this fight to the first one. Uh, I, lo- I, I was saying to Laura Sanko in the post show, like I like this one even more because I felt like there was more kind of drama in the fight where, you know, he did hurt you in that second round and it kind of looked like this might go sideways. And then the way you came back and you actually rallied and it kind of, you know, you, you got better and better as the fight went on. You mentioned obviously the two takedowns. He's never been taken down. It was a phenomenal fight. Um, I am wondering though, it looked to me like there was a different game plan. And I think even post-fight, they mentioned you did start out a little bit slow. Both of you guys, a little bit uncharacteristically low volume. And I'm wondering, was that by design? Was it part of the game plan? Was it a case of just respecting Usman too much? Was it a case of just the layoff having any kind of effect? I almost felt like even when you were walking out, there was something a little bit different. Can you can you shed light on it? What What was it about it? Uh, yeah, that, that was definitely, we, we thought about that game plan with my coaches, Cesar Carnero, uh, Danny Valverde, Jonathan Lopez, and Charlie Weiss. We wanted to come out and just feel him out, see what he's looking for, see if he's looking for that big right hand, see if he's looking to jab a lot. You know, see, I trust my reflexes. I trust my hand-eye coordination and, you know, my timing. So I was looking for his timing. I was going to counter off him, but he wasn't really opening either. He was kind of being timid. You know, there wasn't really a lot of action the first round. It was it was kind of, you know, just going back and forth. And I, I really there's a case that I won that round. But, yeah, it was definitely a feeling out round. That's kind of what I wanted to do. But is kind of slow him down and just kind of see his timing and see what he's trying to do in that first round. And then and then the second, third, fourth, fifth take over. You know, everybody knows I'm the cardio king. I don't get tired in that octagon. I get better as the fight goes on. You know, after the fight was done, you know, I. 
I was ready for five more rounds in the parking lot. And that's the fucking truth. That's why I got right in his face at the end. You know, we had that little exchange. And, you know, if you guys want to know what I said to him in that exchange, you know, I went up to him. I'm like, Marty, come here. Come here, Marty. A little closer. Closer. Marty, a little closer. Use promo code Colby at mybookie.ag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> and by the way, by the way, what did you think of Dan Mugata sort of breaking you guys up during that moment and saying "Go kiss Slater"? It kind of ruined that my bookie moment a little bit. Yeah, you know that that was uncalled for by Mugliata. He's a fantastic ref, man. He does a great job inside the cage. I mean, he did let Marty cheat a couple times, but that was just uncharacteristic to him. I mean, I wanted to make sure Marty really knew what my code was in my bookie because. <laughs> Those people love us so much. They take care of us. So, you know, it, it, it was it, it wasn't called. It was uncool. It wasn't called for, you know, and, and he should have let me really make sure that Marty knows where to go, where to get his bets in. And, and, and you know, let's make those bank accounts great again. You were just looking out for, for Kamara's best interest. Want to make him some extra money at, uh, at our good friends at my bookie. You should have told him use maybe use promo code submission. Just, you know, if, if you feel like <laughs> Colby submission. But the thing is that. The mics. Merkliot didn't give me enough time. I, you know, I, you know, I love my boys down under. I wanted to say use that promo code submission, but I didn't get enough time. He's like, no, that's it. Get away from each other. And I, I, I knew I, I was ready I, for five more rounds in the parking lot. I know you would have had he not interrupted. The thing is, though, and obviously, you know, not not to kind of break kayfabe, but I, the mics did pick up a little bit of. Um, respect that you showed towards Kamara Usman. I think initially he thought that you were going to come over and maybe, I don't know, say something, talk shit. And, and he kind of came in with that energy as well. But then we heard you saying, I think that you, you respected him in that moment. What made you want to say that after the promo code? I never got to say that. I don't know what you guys are talking about. The only thing I remember saying is Marty, come here closer, closer, Marty, come here, come here. Come here, promo code Colby at mybookie.ag. And that, that's all that happened was I can't respect that guy. How can I respect a cheater? He poked me in the fight. I was clearly poked again. Like, again, that's the second time he's poked me. He grabbed the, the cage when I was taking him down the second time. He was grabbing the fence. That's clearly cheating. I mean, he cheated multiple times in the first fight. When did I ever cheat? Not one time did I cheat or do anything wrong in both fights. I, I fought clean. I fought hard. I never took any breaks. I can't respect him. He's a cheater. I mean, it's clear that he does steroids. Like, that's what that's what we get. That's the best guy in the world, the CEO of EPO. He's a supposed pound for pound chemical fucking fighter of the year. You know, he's got a chemical imbalance, you know, acne all over his face, all over his back. You know, come on, dude. He lost his hairline. I, I made so much fun of him that, that Marty Juiceman gave away his hairline. He just shaved. He's like, you know what? Let me just go. It's already halfway up my head. Let me just get this out of here, man. No more, man. I'm taking it off. He's bald now. He's an ugly fucking motherfucker. But it's clear that he's a cheater. I don't respect the cheater. The interesting thing is you guys now share two incredible battles that go down in history in the welterweight division. The first one and now the second one. Even though, you know, even though you say you don't respect him, how does it feel to be sort of tied to him in history to these two fights? I mean, this last fight, absolute, absolute classic. The first one. You know, absolute classic as well. One of Dana White's favorite fights too, and something that people were talking about. It must. It's almost like uh, you have a kind of a weird bond with him because you guys will be connected in these fights forever. Yeah, that, I mean, it's undeniable the history that we've made together. You know, so it is what it is on the, on that front. But you know, I did 
beautiful business for the UFC. Everybody knows who they were there to see, though. Bottom of the line, they were only there for one reason. They weren't there for him. They were there for me. You know, if you heard the, the chants in the crowd, you know, everything fight week, the pop week, I was getting at the press conference, everything. I mean, some of my biggest haters, guys, are now my new fans. They won't stop talking about me. So, you know, I'm losing all my old haters. I need to get some new ones. Yeah, and by the way, what happened with the Lil Wayne? You broke the Lil Wayne news on the show. Like, where's Lil Wayne now? We want to see Lil Wayne. But outside of that, like the walkout was amazing. Everybody got into the chance, the ESOC chance, which I know you've been trying to do for quite some time. And it was just like, it actually felt a little bit like watching a WrestleMania when you were coming out there. I thought we were watching WrestleMania 20, you know, where Ken Angle was walking out there and then the mm. chance throughout the fight. And we saw the smile on your face, man. You loved it, right? Like, take us into that. No Lil Wayne, but you loved those moments. Like, it almost felt like, the manifestation kind of paid off in those moments for you and people really were just loving being there and the, the energy was as crazy as you kind of would have thought it would have been at Madison Square Garden, that kind of fight on the line. Yeah, you know, Little Wayne was supposed to make it out, but he had some problems in LA with his uh, private jet. I guess it was having like some mechanical issues. So like they thought it'd be dangerous to fly out that day because originally they were just going to come Saturday, come to the fight, head back to LA Sunday. But you know, they had some mechanical issues, so they took the safe route. And I don't blame them. I would have done the same thing. But nothing was going to ruin that magical, history-filled, you know, historical night. It, it was incredible, man. The fourth highest gate, I mean, the the, the arena was electric. I mean, people in the very freaking nosebleeds, just cameras out, flashes everywhere. And, and then just everybody chanting along to my Kurt Angle song, you know, you suck, you suck. And it's just... It was just such a great feeling, you know, all this hard work, all this manifestation of, of belief in, in my skill set and my work ethic and just the blue collar, you know, mentality that, and, and life that I came from. It just to this moment in, in the Mecca, in, the, in Madison Square Garden, although New York City's a dump, that place is trash. You know, politics has killed that city. It's just disgusting what they're doing there, all the mandates and vaccine this and that. But the arena and, and the history that is kept at, at Madison Square Garden just it's just, it was so sweet. You know, there's, those are the moments that I'm going to look back on and, and I'm going to be, I'm going to forever cherish and just appreciate, you know, that, you know, all the hard work paid off, you know, it wasn't for nothing. It was for something. It was for the fans. It was for the people and, and giving them a great show. And I'm going to keep doing that. So the best is yet to come. You haven't seen the best Colby chaos come to yet. Mark my words. Hundred mm, percent. Um, just quickly before we move off UFC two sixty eight, how's the foot? Uh, I know you were saying that it might be broken. Uh, is it officially broken? How is it at the moment? So yeah, the doctor was saying that there's probably like a little hairline fracture in the top, but he said it's like a three four week recovery. You know, it's been two weeks, so I'm almost, I'm barely limping on it still. It's pretty much good now. You know, so yeah, I mean another week or two for sure. It's good, but. It wasn't a bit a serious problem. It just kind of swelled up in, in the fight. You know, I was throwing, I threw a low kick and it landed on his knee like in the, the second round and, and I felt it swell up right away. I was like, ooh, okay, can't throw the right kick anymore. Got to go to the left kick and, and, and just use other tools. So that kind of limited my skill set. You know, I was compromised in that fight and that's what I still was able to do, win three rounds to two. So, you know, it was amazing to put on a show for America, put on a show for the people and put on a show for Madison Square Garden like they had never seen before. So now uh, the interesting thing that happened is, you know, people are wondering what the future would hold for Colby Covington. And then um, obviously what the big fights would be for you coming up next. You said yourself in the post-fight press conference that Jorge should just pull out of the fight with Leon Edwards and fight you instead. Then 
Half a week later, news broke that Jorge had to withdraw due to an undisclosed injury, and we hope he uh, feels better. What went through your mind when you saw that? So you guys know every time I come on Submission Radio, I break some news to you guys, and I give you guys the goods always. I don't hold back from you guys because I appreciate you guys being unbiased and and not writing journalism with your feelings. So I'll tell you the truth of of what happened with George for real. You know, and I still have people at his gym that still love me, you know, and I'm the people's champ for a reason, you know, so I get the insider scoop on everything. So, you know, that fragile dude, uh, Street Judas Jorge Masvidal, he broke his ribs. He fractured his ribs uh, last Saturday in training. And uh, yeah, he's fragile and he had to pull out of the fight. So, you know, it's too bad that, you know, people still love me over at his gym more than they even love him. That's crazy, broken ribs. Why? Because it, you know, we watched the interview that he did with Ariel on the MMA hour, and um, you know, we're all curious to hear. Okay, what what is the injury? Obviously, he didn't disclose it. You know, as a fighter yourself, you, you understand the mentality. Do you understand why he didn't disclose it? We, I was going to ask you we, if you were curious what the injury was, but you just told us you, you're saying it's broken ribs. Yeah, what, what? and that's fact. I'm telling you guys the truth. He went to the gym to train last Saturday, doing some sparring. Not last Saturday, but the Saturday before. Like, uh, yeah, eight days ago. And uh, he went to sparring at the gym, you know, gets some, you know, gets his ribs fractured, leaves the gym crying and, and, you know, goes to the doctor and gets the x-ray and they determine, you know, it's fractured ribs. He's a fragile little bitch. You know, he's a brittle little bitch. You know, he tried to talk about me being fragile. That's the fragilest guy on the fucking roster. That guy's a complete little joke. And, and, and it's pretty funny. I think he's finding, you know, out that, you know, he's a nobody, he's a bum. And, and that's the reason That's the reason people are telling me, you know, what's going on with him. He tried to keep it a secret. He didn't want to tell the media. He didn't want people to know, but now they know because of Colby Chaos Covington, only on Submission Radio. Well, pre- appreciate Appreciate the exclusive, man. Did you get a bit of a laugh when people were sort of, you know, looking at this conspiracy that like, you know, he must have pulled out to fight Colby. This is this, clearly he didn't want to fight Leon Edwards and he just wanted to fight Colby. Bit of a conspiracy that was uh, running a little bit rampant, but did you get a bit of a laugh out of it? Yeah, I, I did. I, I thought that was pretty funny. It was good timing with, you know, the way I had my fight in the press conference. But, you know, that guy doesn't want to fight me. I mean, that guy's I mean, he's going to lose all his street cred one way or another. If he fights me, he loses it. If he doesn't fight me, he loses it even worse. So, you know, I know that guy doesn't want to fight me. He, he's he's trying to duck me at every corner, every step. So, you know, what can I say? What, what can I do? You know, I just want to put on good performances for the UFC. He'll be back in a corner. He'll need to take this fight. You know, it makes sense on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, let's revive that show. That show has been so boring, stale. There's no entertainment value on that show anymore. So let's bring it back, man. This is the fight that needs to happen. You know, if, if it doesn't happen now, then then obviously it'll never happen because, you know, he says he's told the media. So if this guy's a man of his word, but he's not, he's not like me. If he's a man of his word, he wants the thing that gets him closest to the title. I'm the number one guy. If you want to get back to the title and you really want to fight Marty again, you'll fight me, George. But you don't really want that, and you don't want to fight me. So all that talk, you know, that that I'm fragile, it's up, it, that it's in the streets, blah blah blah. That all the bullshit, you know, your little your little tough street guy credit, it's gone, man. If you don't fight me, it's gone, man. So this fight needs to happen, man. That the feud that this fight is, and all the things he said in the media, he needs to come out here and fight me. I want to put on a beating for his, you know, ex-wife Maritza, the the mother of his two children. You know, she deserves an ass beating to this guy and, you know, some money from alimony when, you know, he gets his bank account padded for losing to me. So this fight needs to happen. So timing wise, I mean, 
obviously he's recovering from his injury and um, you still recovering a little bit from the foot. It kind of works out well for the ultimate fighter because there's a lot long lead up to a fight. I know when he was an aerial show, he said he'd like to fight Leon in March if it's on the table, but if it's not, which it looks like it isn't, he'd like to fight you. His words were, of course, I'd like to bash Colby's face and we're talking about the biggest cowd in the sports. It looks like he's kind of keen on fighting you. What do you what what kind of talks have you had with the UFC about possibly doing an ultimate fighter with him? And ultimately, uh, do you think he would agree to signing on to doing the ultimate fighter with you? Because it would be a lot of trash talk. Obviously, um, there'd be a lot of back and forth for months leading into the fight. Do you think he'd be willing to sort of commit to something like that against you? I mean, are we really concerned of what he's willing to commit to? I mean, if he's willing to commit to anything, I mean, he's going to get himself hurt. I mean, he's going to get himself, I mean, his, his, you know, his ribs are hurting, you know, I know he's got some fragile ribs, you know, and, and I'm the king of ribs. Go ask his boy Tyrone. He'll tell you how, how I am with ribs. So, you know, that guy's fragile. It doesn't matter, man. If he goes on that show, if he tries to do anything, he's just going to get dumped on his head and knock the fuck out unconscious. So what's that guy going to do? I mean, this is the fight that has to happen after he keeps running his mouth. I'm a coward. I'm fragile. I'm this and I'm that. No, you're, you're the bitch. You're the fragile, brittle little bitch. You know, like I'm the king of Miami. Everybody knows that. I run these streets here. The 305 is mine. I occupy this whole territory. No one can say any different. And he knows that. So show up or just shut your fucking mouth, bitch, and, and let real men do fucking work. Because I'm still going to be here. Put put that fucking whack-ass BMF belt back on the fucking line. Everybody knows who the real baddest motherfucker in this sport is. It's Colby Chaos Covington. Bring that fucking belt out and let's fucking do this shit. Do the ultimate fighter, whatever. Tape for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And run this fight in, in, in Miami. It makes sense. Let's go to American Airlines Arena. We can sell out that arena in seconds. And if, and if we don't go to American Airlines, we can go right up the street to BB&T Center, which is, you know, 30 minutes up the street. You know, I'll beat, I'll beat his ass at both arenas. We'll go BB&T Center, go up to Broward County, then go down to Miami-Dade County and beat his ass in American Airlines Arena. Fucking little bitch, Jorge. Wow, it's the rivalry tour. Just quickly, on, on Leon Edwards not wanting to take another fight when Jorge fell out, obviously uh, Hamza Chemaev was an option for him. There were a few options for him. What was your reaction when you saw that he decided to sort of stay off the card and see what his options were because he's on this you know, great streak and sort of hopes to get the next title shot? I don't pay attention to what jobbers are doing. You know, I pay attention to the business that's in front of me. You know, my, my business is with Jorge Masvidal and Marty Fake Newsman. Those are those are my two businesses, the, the only business I care about. So I haven't been paying attention. That that fight should have never been made in this in the first place. This is the fight to make. This is the biggest fight the UFC can make. So if they can't make it, you know, we, there's only one side and reason that they can't make it. You know, it's because that fragile little bitch, Street Judas Masvidal, didn't want to show up. So th th that fight was a filler. No one cared about that fight. This is the fight people want to see. This is the people's fight. This is for the people. They pay their harder money. They go to their, their tough-ass jobs every day, put in their hard-earned work and hours so they can buy these tickets, you know, to these big fights and, and see the, this pure entertainment. So let me put the violence on this dude's face out for all the, all the shit talk that he's ran. You know, this is the fight that needs to happen. And, and he, you know, I want to get back to the title. I want a trilogy with Marty Fake Newsman. I want that. My soul is on fire for it. I want that more than I want to live. I don't give a shit about anything. That's the only thing I want is Marty's head. One more time. We've done 10 rounds. I'm up 6-4 easily. I could be 7-3. Could be 8-2. Like, that's how I feel. And the people feel the same way. The people saw with their own eyes in Madison Square Garden what happened. 
So I want to get back to him if he doesn't retire first. I want that belt. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. Well, the good thing is, like, Usman even <clears throat> himself even said after the fight, UFC 268, that, like, he's open to a third fight. He was saying that, you know, if you can climb the ranks. And he was saying that, like, you know, you probably, I think his words were that you'll tune up a lot of guys in the division and maybe you guys will do it again. Um, in the meantime, while you're, you know, you have your business with Jorge, who do you think gets the next title shot at Usman? Obviously, people were thinking... Well, all right, Leon's game plan now seems to be to wait out. But then you got Shemaev and Gilbert Burns, and people are speculating, well, what if Shemaev beats Gilbert Burns? Will he, you know, leapfrog Leon for the next title shot? What do you think? You know, like I tried to tell Marty Juiceman before, you know, he he's not the matchmaker. He doesn't decide, you know, how the UFC is going to do their business. So that decision is solely up to Hunter Campbell. You know, he'll make that decision. Him and Dana White will think about it and they'll do their business, whatever's best for their business in the UFC. The fighters have no say in that, you know. The, the UFC, Dana White, Hunter Campbell put on the best fights and the biggest fights in the sport. And, and the wheel keeps running. You know, that is what it is. It's just the UFC is a beautiful place and a complex machine that, that moves like a great freaking working, you know, hamster wheel. So it's amazing they, what they do. But that's up to them. You know, I, I, hopefully it's me. I want another shot. I want that belt. I want to fight for it again. And, and Marty don't want to fight me again. He even went to Dana and Hunter after the fight and was like, man, that was a tough fight, man. I don't know how much more I got left in this sport. So, you know, it might be a default me fighting for a championship, but there needs to be a belt on the line, man. I'm the best fighter in the world. Pound for pound, number one, undisputed, you know, undefeated Colby Chaos Covington. The people know it. America knows it. So, you know, I want to fight in these big fights and, and you know, hopefully the UFC and Hunter Campbell make it happen. Would you be disappointed if by the time you go back to the title, say in a fight or something from now, Kamara Usman was no longer champion and you had to beat somebody else for the title? Yeah, it, it, it would be tough. It would be bittersweet. It wouldn't be the same. You know, after fighting him two fights and yeah, the judges picked him twice. You know, it is what it is. That's mm -hmm. their decision, you know, but I've won over the people and I've won over uh, the arenas and the people, the millions of people watching on pay-per-view around the world. So you know, I, I know I did my job in then just because I don't have the, the paper title and, you know, the, the judges nod, you know, the people saw with their own eyes what happened. You know, they saw the way those rounds were scored and, and the fight I put up against him and, and who's the better fighter overall. If that was a fight to the death, the people know who's going to win that fight. <laughs> There's no question it's going to be me. So, you know, I didn't have to cheat. I didn't have to take timeouts. I didn't have to take breaks. And I was ready to go five more every time. So, you know, it would be bittersweet, but... I'm doing whatever it takes to get that belt. I want to hold that belt again. And it's it's more important to me than breathing anymore. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to keep working hard. You guys see the improvements I make every mm -hmm. fight. That's that's every fight. Like, I'm still getting better every single day. Still young in the sport. Still love it. Still evolving. Still a student of the game. I love my craft, and I want to keep honing it and keep getting better every single day I step in the gym. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep getting better. So it doesn't matter who's still around. It can be Kamaro, but he can be scared and go into retirement. It is what it is. I'll know when this is all said and done who is the best. And I'm still going to be here. My legacy is going to stand stronger in the long run. I kind of almost feel like, you know, when Anderson Silva fought Chell Sonnen and people saw that he was human, Chell Sonnen kind of was the beginning of Anderson Silva's uh, run coming to an end because people saw that he could be beaten. And after these two performances against Kamaro Usman, and, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, Usman, could be one of the greatest welterweight champions of all time. You did make him look human and you did show a game plan where somebody could beat him. Do you feel like almost after watching what you did against him, 
other contenders will be trying to take notes from what you did and also kind of gain, I suppose, some kind of uh, hopes because they saw you were able to make him look human, something that not many people have been able to do, if any. I mean, it's pretty clear that that myself and Marty are, are the clear cut top of the division, the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. There's just no one that, that can do what we do, you know, and, and that's him doing it with steroids and me doing it naturally. So you'll see who's the more gifted fighter in the long run. I'm still going to be here and still getting still be getting better every day. But I just don't there's no other contenders out there that, that can fight like that. They can they can put on the, the volume, can 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 power strike you, can knock you out with one punch, can take you down, can can submit you. There's no fighters that are well-rounded like that. So I just don't see anybody giving him a challenge. I'm the only one that can do it. And I'm the last hope. And I know I'm going to be the guy that, that shocks the world and and lets him know that he he's not he's not this superhuman person. You know, he's not this pound for pound number one fighter. No, he's not. He's a beatable. He's a man. He puts his, his shoes and pants on the same way anybody else does. But he just, you know, he believes a little bit more than some people, but not me. And he knows that deep down inside. He knows that a piece of him was lost in those two fights and he'll never be able to get that back. And I'm coming to take it all the next time I see him again. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait for this fight to happen. This is the kind of fight where I'm not going to be at home watching it in the living room. I'm going to go to the pub and watch it with the friends, watch it with the buddies and get some pints going and probably be half cut for our post-fight <laughs> show if and when that eventually happens. Uh, but where do you watch fights? You know, if you want to watch them at the pub, there's nothing more frustrating than calling around to different pubs and asking people, hey, are you showing the fights? Are you? Do you have commentary on? Is there volume or not? How many screens? Are you showing the, I don't know, 1986 Wheelbarrow Race? Racing uh, on instead of the fights, you know, like we all love the wheelbarrow racing, but enough. I want to know which pubs show it. And the best way to do that is with our good friends at Match Pint. Very, very, very simple app. You go on, you pick your sports. So it actually populates whatever you want on there. And then you pick, all right, this is the fight that I want to watch. It's coming up this weekend. It doesn't even have to be fights. It can be any sports. It can be NBA, NFL, whatever you want. You click it and then it shows you a bunch of pubs near your location showing the event. And from there, it shows how many screens uh, they have for the fights. It shows special offers, like maybe they're offering free pints. You've got fixtures. And then you click the map button and it just you know, pumps into your maps and it takes you straight there, there to the pub. You can be the hero of all your friends. You've got all the latest inside scoops on who's showing what and where. Match Pint, your best friend for sport. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. I mean, be ready for any occasion with your mates, whatever happens and whatever sport, just like Casper mentioned. Click the link description below. Download the app today. It'll be in your, in your pocket, ready to go. No matter what the occasion, you'll be the hero of the group. Make sure to get that Match Pint app today. Be ready for all the crazy sports that the world is going to be throwing at you at 2022 because Match Pint is your best mate for sport. That's right. Uh, just last one from me, Colby, uh, on Jorge, and then we'll get out of your hair. And just on Jorge, one of the things that he said on the MMA Hour was he felt like you've become a nice guy. He said something to the effect of Usman uh, beat him so bad that now he's turned into a nice guy. He kind of insinuated that you've had a, had a face turn. I do notice that people are coming around to you a lot more. I wonder what you make of those comments, uh, the insinuation of a baby face turn. But also, I feel like if this fight was uh, in 2019, you and Jorge, you'd clearly be the heel. He'd clearly be the face. But do you kind of feel like the gap has closed a little bit in terms of fan perception lately of the two of you guys? And why do you think that is? I don't think it's as clear, as clear cut as it was before. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to 
you know, the outside noise. I'm very, you know, focused on my dreams. You know, I'm not engulfed and and entrenched in social media every single day, paying attention to people's comments and what they think of me. You know, everybody has a different opinion in life and I respect everybody's opinion. You know, I agree to disagree with them if they don't want to think the same as me or, or, or see things differently and have a different perspective than me. That's okay. You can have a different perspective. This is America. This is the world. You should have freedom of speech and freedom of thought, you know, to live your life how you want to live it. But but, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to put on the best, biggest and best shows. People can love me and hate me. At least they have an emotion towards me. They're not going to turn the channel to the Real Housewives of OC. They're going to be mm-hmm. paying attention to the UFC and Colby Chaos Covington. So, you know, I, I'm very grateful for where I'm at, you know, and the people that support me. I had Candace Owens in the building. It was amazing to have her out there. She's a future president. You know, she gave me some dragon energy that night, at, you know, in Madison Square Garden for UFC 268. You know, Jack Owak, my brother from Bang Energy, man, he does a great job uh, giving me the best supplements so I can keep improving and up in my game and just having good, you know, nutritional uh, advice for me. And, you know, I just got a great inner circle and people around me now. And I'm grateful for everything that I have and the people that support me. And I'm even grateful for my haters, man. They're, they're awesome. You know, if you hate me and you don't respect the body of work I do, then, you know, that's your own problem. You're probably living in your mom's basement eating Cheetos and, and you know, you're just envious and jealous of me, but you know, I'm still going to entertain you and you can still hate me as long as you want. You're free to have your own thought. <laughs> just as we wrap up, man, daytime, daytime wise, timeline wise, if he could make this um, Azudal happen, fight happen next or even do this ultimate fighter thing, what are we looking at? What would put, uh, work for you perfectly? I know he said that March, he could possibly, you know, fight Leon Edwards. It doesn't look like something like that would happen. So would, you know, March work for you for a possible fight? Or are you more interested in making this tough thing a reality and sort of making tough great again? What what would your sort of look at it be? No, I, it's not that I'm much more interested in, in the tough. You know, it'd be cool. It's awesome. You know, revive the show, do, do some good business for the UFC, bring that back. You know, I remember when I was a kid, the tough show was – was the thing everybody was watching at high school. It's everybody, that, even if they didn't know wrestling or fighting or martial arts, they'd come to school talking about the tough fights, you know? And and it just, I remember, you know, just thinking like how much that, how important an impact of that show made on my life. It motivated me to, to inspire me to go out there and get that six figure contract, get, you know, chase my goals and dreams in life. So that'd be cool. I, of course, I just want to get locked in a cage with this clown. I just want to be locked in a cage with Jorge Street Judas Masvidal so, more than I want anything in the world. Like I want to, that dude needs to pay for all the things he said about me. I mean, oh my God, dude. He, I mean, but if he doesn't show up, you know, then that's okay too. He loses all that street cred. He loses all the respect in the fighting community. He's not a real fighter. That guy's a fragile little bitch and he's a clown. He's a fake, you know, he's a Judas. He turned his back on me for no reason, dude. He started talking shit about me for no reason. And, and, you know, this is all his fault and he's going to pay. He's going to have to pay by losing his consciousness and losing his health, man. He's I'm definitely taking at least five years off his life. I promise you that I you're going to see a savage come out that you never seen. This beef is more personal and, and, I, and more hatred than I've ever had for anything in my entire life. I want to crush this guy's soul. I want to fucking eat it, rip his heart out, fucking grill it on my house. You know, put it on the barbecue and have all my fucking first responder and military friends over because, you know, God bless the military and God bless the troops, the people and the first responders that keep us free and, and protect our freedoms here in America. Law and order, baby.
Well, I mean, the UFC's job is easy here, right? Hunter Campbell, Mick Maynard, Dana White. It's like it, the, the fight is basically sold. So hopefully we see it. Hopefully we see it uh, as soon as possible. Let's make it happen, man. We've been waiting. As fans, we've been waiting for this fight. Follow the man on Twitter and Instagram at Colby Cove MMA. And Colby, as always, man, a pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting with us. And hopefully we see this fight happen as soon as possible. Couldn't agree more, my brothers. But either way, the, the train keeps moving. We just getting started. The best is yet to come. Thanks for having me back on Submission Radio. Take care, boys. I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Colby. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Thanks again. 